Um, so this morning, as I was preparing for this, I changed and I said it for service. The Lord, he reminded me of something this morning that I hadn't thought about in a while. And um, my son, Elijah, he's 15 now. So back in 2006, Elijah's back there. He's, he's like, oh my gosh, he's, he's turned his back. Elijah, wave, wave, Elijah. That's my Elijah. He's one of four. He's the last of four. And um, yeah, your responses are good. Okay, remember, we all ask for your feedback. It helps time goes by and we just, we're family. So I want to engage you this morning. Is that okay? So back in 2006, when I had gotten pregnant with Elijah, I was between five and six weeks. And um, in the evening, I started, you know, I know that we have young ones in here, but I started bleeding and I started uh, like a lot of pain and it just wasn't looking good. So I said to my husband, he had come in from working out of town and I said, Shane, I, have, I need to go to the emergency room. Um, and he's like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I will be. It will be. So he got me in the car. My mom met us over at the hospital. And by the time we got there and, you know, the doctor did everything and they listened to the heartbeat, the heartbeat was going down. And it had, um, what the doctor said, his prognosis was that you're in the middle of miscarrying this baby. Obviously, 15 years later, that baby's standing there real strong. He's a strong young man. So uh, as we were going there, you know, I had hidden a song of praise. I, I've always got, you know, Pastor Joshua taught last week on sonship, and we always have a scripture. We always got a song, and we're giving God praise constantly, okay? So we've all, those things are always inside of me. From the time I learned that, it was just like, okay, God's ingrained that. I'm going to have a song of praise on my lips because when all else fails, God never fails, okay? So I'm praising, and I'm going, and we're going to the hospital. I'm not saying anything. Shane's like, you're all right. I said, I'm good. I'm good. So when we got in there and the doctor said that, I said, well, you know, thank you, doctor. Um, we're in the emergency room. I said, but if God put this baby in here, he's going to bring this baby to life. The doctor looked at me like I had four eyes and my husband was looking at me like I had six. And it was just like, it was okay. Mom was there and, you know, tears are running down her eyes. And it's just like, I'm like, listen, I said, Shane, I said, I want you to start naming that baby. And if you know all of my children, all of their names end with A-H. And God gave me that. Because when we, in Hebrew, when you add A-H to the name, you're speaking and invoking the blessings of God. So there's more to just naming a child some random name that you've just come across. When you name them, you're prophesying into their future. You're prophesying God's life into them. So we, Shane starts going through all the AHs that he knows, Obadiah, Zebediah, Jedediah, Micah, you know, and he starts naming all these random old names in the Bible, and he comes to the name Elijah. Remember how, how far along did I tell you I was? Let's see if you're listening. Five to six weeks. Thank you. I heard somebody here. I just don't know who. Um, five to six weeks. So when he said Elijah, see, I'm a spirit-filled woman of God. We're a spirit-filled church, and we believe in everything that the Bible gives us. And when I got saved my first year, I saw a bunch of old ladies, and they were old. They were old grandmas in the church, and I got involved with all the old people in the church. I love older women and older men. They have so much of God's wisdom to give to us. So older generation, don't ever think that what God's placed in you, there's no more for it. And younger people, open your lives up so that they can speak into your lives. We both have a part to play. So these women were, you know, sitting in a prayer circle, and I'm looking at them, and they're talking all kinds of ways. And one woman drops her, you want that? I said, I want that. So as a spiritual woman of God, I'm thinking about the promises of God and the song of praise. And when Shane said the word Elijah, everything in me quickened to that Bible story, and Elijah never saw death. I said, that's his name. 
So I told you, they're looking at me like I've got six eyes. I said, that's his name. Elijah never saw death, and I held on to that. Something in my spirit knew that I was having an Elijah. Moms, you know. You know what God's placed inside of you. So 15 years later, and Elijah's still standing there because I had that song of praise. I had the word of God, and I had something to remind me that what I'm seeing, I am not going to be moved by what I see, but I'm going to be moved by what the Lord, who he is. If God has said it, wouldn't he do it? Yes, he would. All right, so this morning, I want to talk to you all about the Lord's Prayer. So don't tune me out. Many of you may say, hey, I already know the Lord's Prayer, right? But this is the one thing that scripture tells us out of everything that the disciples witnessed with Jesus. They saw the dead being raised. They saw the sick being healed. They saw, you know, fevers leave. They saw multiplication of fish and loaves and all of that. But out of every single thing that they saw, the only request that they had from God was Jesus, teach us how to pray. So I think that it's important for us to know the model and the template. Okay, so it's not just in the verses before that, Jesus said to them, he said, don't be like the hypocrites when they pray to have all of these long prayers just to be heard so that other people can say, oh, my gosh, Mira knows how to pray well. I don't care if you think I know how to pray well or not. That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to impress anyone with our words. But I do know that God cares about how we approach him. And this is what I want to talk. It's the how to. Is that all right? So go with me. And we're going to have a good time in the Word today. So everything that we need to know about prayer, it's written and it's given in the Bible. The very template and the very instructions of how to Jesus was the one when they asked, he said, okay, I'll teach you how. Glad you asked. We will always have decisions to make in our lives. And every time we have a decision to make, it's going to require that we pull from something that we may not know in our natural. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. So the wisdom that you need Young people in the room, the wisdom that you need is not what your friends tell you to do. Because the Bible says if your friends entice you, don't go in the way that they're telling you to go. You want to hear friends that are going to speak what God speaks. So we need wisdom. And wisdom, if you're you're needing God's wisdom, what do you have to do? Come on, y'all. Talk back. We got to ask. Prayer is asking God. It's talking to him, right? Um, So it's not something that we just get to talk to God, talk to God, and do all of these words that Jesus was telling us not to do. It's saying, God, I'm talking, but I need to hear you too. So we stop, and it's a mutual dialogue. We're now in conversations with God. Today, we're going to share together, we're going to talk about the template of praying the how-to that Jesus models in Luke 11, verses 1 through 14. And as Christians, we should know this, all right? When I was a little girl, one of the very first TV shows that I ever saw was Perry Mason. Some of you all might be familiar with Perry Mason. It was a black and white TV. I got one hand up there. That's all right. I'm raising two with you. So Perry Mason, there you go. I got three. We're going. Thank you for interacting. Four out of my, the corner of my eyes with Debbie Stroud over there. So I like that. Um, but I saw Perry Mason, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he was amazing. And he looked like my papa because my papa was crippled and he was on a wheelchair so something about Perry reminded me of him and I love my papa um but as I'm thinking of Perry I wanted to be a lawyer everyone always from the time I saw it I wanted to just be in a courtroom and it's obvious to you today that I'm not an attorney I'm not a lawyer I'm not I mean I you know I don't know what kind of person I'd have been if I was a lawyer okay because I don't mind a confrontation and I don't mind a battle 
So I don't know what would have happened to me, but God had other plans. So what I'm wanting to do is kind of bring us into the perspective that of a courtroom. All right, so go with me. We know that I'm not a lawyer. A kingdom is ruled by who? Who rules a kingdom? If we were living, a king, right? And are we the kingdom of America or are we the nation? Thank you for that response. We are a nation. And a nation, is it governed by a king or is it governed by what? What is a nation governed by? We're in civics class. Government. There you go. Government. And government is elected by who? The people. There you go. So we are a nation and we're governed by a government that's elected by us, the people. God's whole plan for mankind was to have a relationship with us, to be a father to man, right? For us to be his sons and daughters. Pastor Joshua taught about sonship last week. He wanted us to be sons and daughters, to be led, you know, as a parent would be able to lead their children. Um, Parents can see if there's danger ahead. They can advise where you haven't been before, young people. You know, I'm thankful for my mom. Um, because she speaks wisdom into my life now. She'll say, Mira, you need to be more gentle. Mira, you know, um, Shane works and appreciate. And, and mom has just taught me this, you know, how to live as a young woman. And I go to her for certain things. And without even asking, she just speaks life. And my heart wants to listen. God desires to be that for us. And, you know, how many adults would today honestly say and admit Man, I wish I had listened to mom and dad. Or even though I wish I had mom and dad to ask this to. So God wants to be that parent to us. He made everything for us to enjoy because he's just the ultimate father. God made man and Adam and Eve to rule over this world and have dominion over the earth. Not to rule other people. That's where we get confused. He made Adam and Eve to rule over everything that he made for them to enjoy right? The first three chapters of Genesis, we see the story. However, in, the, in order for man to govern well, he or she, right? Men, in the Bible, when it talks about man, we're talking about women too, right? So I'll say, now he had to understand, so if God created a man, the man had to understand that there was one who governed over him. You see, because if we had someone, even in government, who was just doing what they wanted to do, that's dictatorship, That's not how it was meant to work. You'll always have a boss. Someone's always going to be over you. Someone's always going to have authority over you. And if you are the person who is just so self-driven that you don't want to listen to anything, you're going to end up in trouble. Failure is in your future. Okay, that's a prophetic word. Failure is in your future if you don't want to listen to the advice of anyone. It's a fool who says to himself that I don't have anyone that can speak life into me. And you go it your own way, you get into trouble. God didn't design us for that. But the first test that we see where failure, you know, where man failed was with Adam. He failed to submit to the government that God had set up for him, right? Adam had to just submit to just say, okay, God, you know best. You say, don't touch that. I'm okay with that because there's something that you're trying to keep me from. But Adam, you know, he broke the law and we are paying the price for him breaking that law. We lost fellowship with God, right? So choosing to obey Satan rather than God The Bible is always going to boil down to this one. It's this one thing. It's a principle of submission. Who are we going to submit to and be governed by? So the Bible is government. All over the Bible, there's government. Everywhere from the old to very revelation, it talks about government. And the the one thing that it boils down to is who will we submit to? Will we submit to God or will will we submit our lives to Satan? 
We cannot possibly think that the enemy of our souls, Scripture says that Satan is the enemy of the soul. We cannot possibly think that he will ever play fair with us, okay? Um, He is just not going to slide into the background and where you think, okay, because I'm a child of God, it's just going to be well with me and everything's going to be hunky-dory and, you know, it's all bells and whistles. He doesn't do that. Don't you have resistance every day? Isn't there something that's coming against you? If there isn't, I don't know what bubble you're living in. Show me how you do that. There's always something that you're fighting for. And what I want to show you today, like Perry Mason, me thinking I'm going to be a lawyer, because he always had evidence. He always knew the law, and he won the cases. But he had to present. So just like how Satan, the Bible says Satan approaches God for people. He's got his eyes. Go to the book of Job where Satan approached God and said, you know, where you been, Satan? I've been running, I've just been walking the earth, and I'm looking. The Bible says there's one who, he roams, and he seeks whom he may devour. So all he can do is just observe us, all right? So I'm I'm building a picture so we can get into the teaching. Is that all right? So follow me. So all he can do is observe, and he goes before who is the judge of, if we believe the Bible, who's the judge of everything? God, it's God. He is the judge of everything. So I want you to see that we're in this big courthouse and somebody's accusing us on the left, right? And right here, our defense attorney, Jesus, the mediator, but we are also presenting a case before Christ, okay? So this is what scripture talks about and we have to fight for it. We've got to lay, God, this is where I'm standing. This is what I'm standing on. This is how I'm coming to you, God. This is what your word says. So it's obvious, right? As I said, I'm no attorney here. Um, And we have got to fight for what we want. Isaiah 9-7 in the NLT translation says, God's government, his government and its peace will never end. It's talking about Jesus one day. Jesus' government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from a throne of the ancestor of David for all eternity. Are things in our life just and fair right now? How many times have we said where we're standing innocent and say, God, this is just not fair? Because life is not fair. And honestly, you know, if it was fair, all of us would go to hell. But Christ paid the price for that. Life's not fair. And sometimes we'll go through things that we really didn't do anything. We're just struggling. We're just struggling. And we don't know how to get out of it. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the perspective that we need to have when we come to God. One of the most amazing promises in the Bible is hidden up in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 verse 27. The kingdom, dominion, and greatness of the kingdoms under all heaven will be given to the people, the holy ones of the most high. Who are the holy ones of the most high? Come on, y'all. It's you all. It's me and you. God said that he'll give this kingdom to us. So one, that why I said it's an amazing promise is that we get to rule alongside him. But we must recognize that we were made to do that. And we must recognize and know our rights. If you go into a courtroom and you don't know your rights, how will they pronounce you? Guilty as charged. But when you know your rights, you got a good attorney, you're going to be acquitted, you're going to be set free, Right? So there's a direct correlation between prayer and submission to God's government. 
and to God's kingdom. Prayer is submission to the way that God does things. It's as simple as that. And calling upon our rights as his children, presenting again our petitions before him. These rights can never be known to us without us having a revelation of who father is and what he has promised to you and I. This can never be understood without the Bible. You got to, you got to know what's in the word of God. Because then you're going in there blind and they're going to, I mean, they're just going to sideline you and you're just going to be taken out. They'll take everything from you. Okay. So Israel rejected God's rule in the book of Exodus chapter 20. Here are the Israelites. They can feel the mountain shaken. They can hear the thunder and see the lightning. And they know like if, if an animal just touches that mountain, the animal's dead. So they know that this mountain that Moses went on, that God's presence was there. And you know what the children, what they told him, the Bible says, they said to Moses, they said, Moses, dude, we don't want to talk to him. We don't want to talk to God. You go talk to him and come back and tell us what he said. If you had an entrance to talk to the king, the government that rules all governments, the judge of all the world, and he says, hey, Elizabeth, I give you an open forum to come to me. Morgan, you come to me. What will you do? Will you send Joshua to talk on his behalf or Denise to talk on your behalf? He wants to hear from you. Sometimes if you're watching a court case, wouldn't you say, man, I wish a defendant can talk for themselves? because attorneys sometimes misrepresent them. We're our own attorneys before God. God desires that. But here are these children who have seen the greatest miracles, you all. And they didn't go into the promised land because they were saying, God, secondhand information, somebody talking to you on our behalf, it's better for us. That works for me because I don't want to do what's necessary to come to you. We can't live like that, y'all, right? We cannot. So they did this and the people chose to have a secondhand view of God. Again, in 1 Samuel 8, when the people wanted an earthly king, here they were again. Guys, kings, when it's set up in government, it's always going to be what the people choose. So they wanted a king, King Saul, and he was wicked in the eyes of God. He was disobedient. He profaned what God had set him up to do. And you know why the people wanted him? Because he looked good. Saul is head and shoulders above everybody. He's fair and handsome. That's what they wanted. They wanted a king that looked like everybody else. Today, we have the government of our choice because our desires have been evil. It has. Government only, the government that's instituted in any country, not just here in America, if the people have a voice and a choice, it's always going to be based, if if you're watching a government and think they're doing everything immoral, it's because the people chose immorality over what God has said. So we always get what we choose. God gives it to us. It's like a kid, you know, they're wanting to eat all that candy. And sometimes the parents say, well, you know, you're going to eat every bit of it. And then they come and they're throwing up and they're vomiting. And then it's like, well, you shouldn't have done it. And chances are the kids would be like, I don't want no candy no more. See, God's a parent. You with me? And he wants to father us, but he wants us to choose his ways. So as believers, we are also known as disciples. And as I said before, the one thing that the disciples requested was what? Teach us how to pray. Okay, because if you know how to pray, guess what? We're going to see the the sick walk, the blind receive their sight, the deaf hear. We're going to see the dead come to life. But we've got to know how to approach the kingdom. So there are nine things that Jesus laid out for us in Matthew. And I'm going to use Matthew chapter 6 as our model for praying um, in this particular story. And he starts off by saying, Our Father. In the book of John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, it says, But as many as received him to them, you and I have received God, 
So God has given us, Jackie and Sydney and Eleanor and Mira and Tom and Jennifer, God has given us permission because we receive Jesus to be called his sons and his daughters. Okay, so as many as say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, we get to be called God's children. Okay, 1 John 3 says, see how great a love the the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. See, he loves us and he wants us. He has adopted us and grafted us into the kingdom of God and said we get to come to him like Jesus and call him father. Jesus shows us that we are God's children. The way that we've learned the Lord's Prayer, it's like sometimes you teach kids how to pray over their food. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And they're not even thinking anything because they've just learned to rehearse something. So our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. And you get the point. That is not saying anything to God because he just said, Jesus said, when you come to pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who just pray long and repetitious prayers just to be heard and just to get it done. Let's think about. So Jesus's how-to was to think about that when we come before Father, you have called me your own. I get to call you Father. I believe you are creator of all the world judge of all the world, and I get to call you dad? I get to do that? Oh, Father. And then you put your heart on who Father is. Jesus wants to show us that you can call him Father too. Over 175 times Jesus referred to to God as the Father. And he wants us to know that we can approach him just, we can approach God the Father just like Jesus did. And everything that Jesus prayed, wasn't it answered you all? But he was praying, Father, let your will be done and you receive glory. But he talked about he wanted us to know the Father. All right. So the word prayer in Matthew 6 through 9, um, it's pros uhumai. I think I said that right. But if I butchered it up, it's okay. But I know the word because I've studied the word. And what Joshua was taught in worship this morning where, you know, this one thing, that middle song that we sang, this one thing I have desired, God, that I would know you, that I would, I would see you face to face. You see, because we don't want to just come to God when we need something. May it be said of you and I that we're the children of God that seek his face and not his hands. All right? We, we want to be children. So what Jesus was saying with the word prayer, when we break it down, when we understand how it was written, pros, is to come face to face, like you can feel the breath of God on your body. Oh, my gosh. Jesus was like that. Something changed when he talked to the Father. And the latter part of that verse, it's like Hannah in the Old Testament where she, you know, the priest thought that she was drunk. And what she was doing, she laid her heart out before God in that temple. And God, I have a desire for a son. God, you give me the son, I'm going to give him back to you. I'm going to teach him how to worship you. And he was one of the best judges in the Bible. But this was Hannah. You know, she came face to face with God so much so that the priest Eli, he thought, well, she is drunk. What is she doing? She was pouring her heart out to her father. She came face to face with him. So this is what we paint the picture as prayer with. And the word, and this word, Jesus wants us to know is the first part. It demands that we come intimately and become intimately acquainted with God. Does that make sense? Yeah, we want to get face-to-face to our Father. When you say that, you're getting right here with him. And that's a beautiful place to be. Which art in heaven. So we are citizens of heaven. Our songs, worship, preach my whole sermon. All right? Which art in heaven. So God, you know, we live, beloved, by the standards of heaven. We are a spiritual being having a human experience. But we are not, if this government is not submitted to God's word, 
We don't submit to the government, period. That's, that's Bible. Peter said it. So if it doesn't submit to how God wants us submitted to him, we don't submit to it. When, it. when it comes up face-to-face like this, and it says, hey, do this, and it's not in God's word, you don't listen to it. And you stand and you stand your ground. All right? But we are submitted to God's kingdom and God's heaven. And the Bible says that God, he is on the throne of heaven. Okay, our father, which art in heaven, as children of God, we must recognize that our father is in heaven and it's his dwelling place. And in Philippians 3.20, it says, but we are citizens of the state, commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. And from, from it also, we earnestly, patiently await for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So scripture says that we are citizens of heaven. That's where I got that from, in case you're wondering. Okay, hallowed be thy name. Adoration and worship, it belongs to the Father. The act of worship should only come before we petition God. It does. Before I ask him anything, God, I'm going to praise you. You know, the other day I'm coming to prayer and I had the most beautiful vision in my whole life that I've ever had. I'm like driving. I got into this zone where I'm just like praying in the spirit. And, and then I see myself as this, you see, because in my eyes, God is bigger than the sky. Like he's taller. Like his head, I can't see his head. But I'm this little girl that's standing there and I'm holding on like to his dress. I call it a dress. It's his robe, right? This is how I see him, y'all. And I got a vision of me just pulling on it. And I started weeping. I wept all the way through prayer even here because I caught it. And I said, Father, do you ever get tired of me just pulling and just wanting to be here? And his response to me was so beautiful. It was like, no, this is where you belong. It's okay if you come to me, Mira. And that, I mean, I'm telling you, that presence, you can't escape that, y'all. If you get a taste of it, you'll see what I'm talking about. And I hope that by, by the time we're done here today, that you walk away and you leave here hungry for that. You see, because that's the place that he wants us. You ever seen a little girl, you know, chasing after her daddy and he's running and all of a sudden he turns around and he grabs a hold of her? That's the position God desires. He is a superhero. God, hallowed be your name. You know, we don't talk hallowed and thou and thee and thus, but we say, God, you are beautiful. You're wonderful. There is no name that is above your name. That's what that scripture is talking about. So we spend some time just in worship before God, right? Why is praising him necessary? Because scripture says in Psalms 96 verse 4, Passion Translation, for the Lord's greatness is beyond description. And he deserves all the praise that comes to him. He is our King God, and it's right to be in holy awe of him. So we worship him because he deserves our praise, and he is worthy to receive it. Okay, that's what scripture says. Praising God reminds us of God's greatness. It takes our, that's what we were doing this morning. In first service, I'm telling you, every person who raised their hands after that worship, we pray that their needs, Father, we thank you that you met the needs. Because when you start worshiping like this, you stop thinking about all your needs and you're just thinking, oh God, you're wonderful. The disciples, they got a hold of that. If you just teach us how to come before the Father, we will never have a need that is ever not met. Because our focus is on God. That's just how it's done, you all. All right? Um, And it stirs up our faith when we praise God. The atmosphere around us changes. When you're praising God, you don't have time to, oh, poor me. Oh, gosh, I'll never get out of this. No, when you start praising God, you start thinking about how wonderful and how high he is. That he has made everything and everything submits to him. 
All right? That's what praising does. So, Father, hallowed be your name. You're the name above every name, and at your name, everything bows. Then we get to point four, thy kingdom come. When we declare this, we are saying that his kingdom, heaven, is our solution to the issues of this world. We are calling on the government of heaven to rule in this earth. If we look at our nation, we have already established that we're a people that's governed by a government of our choice. Okay? Um, We discussed the Israelites rejected God. They wanted their own king, right, patterned after their own desires. We choose what we desire. Okay? Your Your attention will always follow what you desire. You'll put your attention on whatever it is that you're desiring. Um, When nations like ours elect uh, officials after our own desire, it just simply, like what I said before, it it is based on what we want morally. That's what it boils down to. In other words, elected officials who are bent on evil ways in opposition to God's um, are placed there because the people desire what's evil. Plain and simple. The majority always wins. It does. But in God's kingdom, it's the reverse. We win. We might not be a majority in the eyes of others, but with God, we are with Jesus, you, and God, you're a majority. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I'm going to insert this here. This, beloved, I said at first service, it's the greatest time in your life that you will ever be living. And I know that you're, you know, some of us may have the thing, well, everything is just going to hell and it's just so dark and everything. Stop it. Stop prophesying that. Because it's not. The reason why we see so much hell, it's because the light is turned on. You're the light. You're the light. So when you walk in, things change. The blessing shows up. You know, so Tina and I, we, were, we went into this dark kitchen, and I just knew that that kitchen had something in there. I knew it. We snuck in there and turned that light on, and I sure saw it. I ran out of that door. That rat ran up that kitchen wall. We are out of camp. Right? Because when light shows up, it exposes everything that's dark. So Satan might look like his, the, the evil that's in the world may look like it's just spreading. And it might not, but I promise you it's because light is shining. You are walking and light is shining. So look at this and seize the opportunities that God has placed in front of you. And say, God, I'm going to come like Daniel said, like the holy ones will rule alongside him. I'm going to come into this world like a ruler that I was made to be. You are. God has given you dominion over the power of darkness. But if you don't recognize it, you'll never walk in it. We want you to walk in that, okay? So when we pray that thy kingdom come, we're saying, God, everything that's opposite of you, it's canceled because you're here. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and a government that has no end. That's what we want to get into you this morning. So thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, point five. What is God's will towards you? What is his will towards me? It's found in the word of God. God's will for us is so full of hope and so full of goodness. You know, so just a few things. When we are looking, so you're looking in your family right now, and you might think, well, I've got a lost child, a lost daughter, a lost son. And, or you, a coworker, or someone that's out that's real nasty to you, and you just know that they don't have Jesus. Is it God's will that they just, that evil person just die and go to hell? His will is to cancel Satan, not people. Jesus came to seek all which was lost. So when you're in a situation and you're, you know, you're sitting in there and you need God's will to be done on earth as it already is in heaven, how does God see us? While we were yet sinners, Christ did what? 
He died for us. He gave his life for us. God saw our end from the very beginning and provided a way out through the lordship of Jesus Christ. So when we're looking at people who are just like living bad, living without God, our thoughts should be so crushing and so pain for them that God, you die that they would be saved. Give me an opportunity, Father. Let your will that's already in heaven, let it come here to this unsaved people, right? Jesus said that in John 3, he said, this is how much God loved the world. And I will read it in message because it's beautiful. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one will be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone, uh, anyone, let's, I lost my spot. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. This is what Jesus, anybody can have a whole and lasting life in Christ. God didn't go to all of this trouble by sending Jesus merely to point an accusing finger. Stop accusing people. Satan accuses. Even if someone's doing something wrong to you, don't accuse them. God sees, right? Jesus is not accusing you and I. You know, so for whoever I was talking to this morning that felt condemnation, let me tell you, God is not accused. Christ is not accusing you before the Father. He died so you can come close. All right? So it is God's will that we be saved. Anyone who trusts in Jesus is acquitted. Courtroom, we're free when we trust in Jesus. Okay? We're free. Anyone who refuses to trust in him as long or has long since been under death sentence without knowing it. When we refuse to trust in him, that's when we come under the sentence of death. All right. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind son of God when introduced to him. Everyone will have zero excuse as to why they didn't accept Christ. I promise you, you all, everyone is going to have a chance to experience Jesus. And it's up to us if we want to experience him or not. Okay. Um, so it's a, an example of his kingdom coming, you know, lost person, it is God's will for them to be saved. So, you know, uh, death, here's another thing, another example. So we have experienced a lot of death and a lot of sickness in the last 18 months, right? We've never thought about death so much as we have in the last 18 months. Why? Because it's, it's out there. We're hearing it. Death has always been out there. But Jesus said in John 14, 19, just a little while more or a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you will live too. So what if COVID comes? So what? So what? People are convinced that it won't come into your house, so you stay home. People are convinced it won't come into your car, so you keep your car up and you, you know, whatever. So what if it comes? What is the worst that will happen to you if death should hit you today? It should never be a fear. Jesus said, fear not. Fear not. How many times in scripture is the word fear not written? What are we afraid of? If you faced your worst fear, you're going to get out of it. Just face it and say, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, if you've got a bill collector that's after you, are they going to eat you when you answer your phone? Are they going to come to their house and take a bite out of you? Stop being afraid to face the fear. Answer the phone and say, I don't have it right now. I'm working on it. And if you have to talk to them five times before the working comes out, talk to them. Don't be rude. Be like Jesus. Okay, thanks for your call. I can't pay you right now. Hang it up. God, I thank you that all my needs are met in you. We're being real, y'all. 
okay? God's kingdom will come into your life, but you got to call it in there. You got to call it. You got to know what your rights are, okay? Um, And I can go on and on. The bottom line is that his word gives us hope. It heals us, it, it heals us, helps us, and sets us free, okay? Jesus said in Luke 4, it's beautiful. He said, the spirit of father is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. We are the poor ones without hope in Jesus. But now that we have hope in Jesus, we have been made alive and rich in Christ, okay? That's what the poor talks about. Okay, Um, he has anointed me to preach a good word, uh, the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom and recovery of, you know, for the captives. Okay, that the blind, their eyes would be open for their eyes and all who were oppressed of the devil. God brings no death. When I was in the hospital, I knew that God wasn't trying to take Elijah's life. I knew that because I knew the word. I said, God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord above. He gave me that verse with my Hannah when I got pregnant with her because I was so afraid of what my future would hold. And I remember walking outside and, you know, I hate to tell you, I grabbed a cigarette and I thought, I, I, didn't, I, I lit it. I didn't inhale. Yeah, it's just But I lit it. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Y'all got Here you go, family. All right. I lit it up and I said, God, how could this happen? This is not part of the plan. I was so afraid, y'all. Because in my first child with Isaiah, his dad and I went through a full separation and divorce for three years. So I thought another baby and we just got back remarried. Oh my gosh, hell's going to show up. And then I heard the Lord say, no, her name will be Hannah. See, God always told me I, I had their names written long before the doctors ever told me what we were having. True story, I'll ask my family. She's Hannah, and she's a good and perfect gift that comes from me. So when things get hard with Hannah, I'm not making an example out of you, love. But when we don't see eye to eye, I have to remember and speak my good and perfect gift comes from God. When Elijah looked like he was going to be lost, my good and perfect gift came from God. You see, because Jesus came to heal all who were oppressed of the devil, God didn't bring oppression and he didn't bring lack and and loss to people. We can't explain everything, y'all. Don't try to explain everything. This is the one fact that you must know. God's mind and heart towards you, it is good. And when you say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, you're saying, God, I want that good thing that you've established for me before the very foundations of the earth, God had a plan for you. Bring it to my life today, God. Amen? So we pray this way, we're declaring what is rightfully ours, right? I'm declaring it for my life, my friends, my family, my church family, and we want God's good plans to come to fruition. Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your welfare, not for disaster. Kelly, God didn't plan to give you disaster, sweetheart. He plans to give you future and favor. We got favor from God. That is his plan. So, Lord, let your will be established in my life like it's already been established in heaven. Six is give us this day our daily bread. At this point in our model of praying, we should now be convinced. My heart should know that God is worthy of all praise, that he is good. He is sovereign. His ways are sovereign. I should know that he wants to help me, wants to love me. My heart should now be in a place of security, simply in awe 
of what my father has done for me. I believe Jesus was like this, just in awe of the father. Father was his superhero. I know that he was. Um, Have you ever known people who only come to you for what they want when they need something? We don't want to be like that to God. Remember, we want to be the ones that seek his face, not his hands. Sometimes we'll need to seek his hands, and it's okay. But let him know that, Father, I just love you. I love you. And he, he wants to hear that. Doesn't it feel good for parents in the room when your kids just want to spend time with you? They just want to be with you. All right? So when we, and then the key part to this verse is give us this day our daily bread. Let's quit the selfish praying. God, just meet my day. Just meet my needs. Give us. Pray for those around you. God, thank you for meeting Denise and Thomas and their needs. That's why when we pray for you as a church family, listen, the staff and I, we all pray for you. And we're praying that those needs are constantly met, that you experience heaven's best. Remember, I wanted to be on staff just to get them prayers. But pastors always, <laughs> true story. And uh, anyway, he's taught me how to pray. And, and the word has taught me how to pray, okay? And the daily part of that, give us this day our daily bread. If God would meet your need for a month or a year, and I know that he has for some of us, he has. But if he were to do that, you won't need him anymore. Because some of us only come when we need something. But it's okay. There's no condemnation in that, no beating up. It's just where we're at. We got to learn, right? We got to learn. So this is our, this is Sunday school. Here you go. Um, And forgive us our debts as we forgive debtors. So the first part of that is that we must confess. Okay. I talked about, we're, we're not a hyper grace kind of teaching. We're not one saved, always saved. I don't teach that. Pastor doesn't teach that. Our staff will not teach that. We don't believe that. We believe that you've got to stay in right relationship with God. Period. If you are married and you've done wrong to your spouse, will you just walk into the room and act like nothing's happened? Doesn't it get awkward? So if we think that we, if we've broken fellowship with God and we've done something and our heart, you know, it's just like, oh gosh, I can't believe. Don't you know that you got to go back and make it right? Just do something in that relationship. And all it is, he's not asking you to give an explanation because he knows everything. He's just saying, just come to me and say, Father, sorry. That's all. Not something long and drawn out. Father, I'm just sorry. Sorry. And he's like, yeah, come on, girl. And he's there. So we asked we ask him to forgive us. That's in the Bible, right? First John 1, 19. Admit that we have sinned and confess our sin. And God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Start all over again. He's, he's the great God of starting all over again, right? And we forgive. C.S. Lewis said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a wonderful idea until you've got someone to forgive. Forgive other people. That's the other part of that. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us, God, as I forgive somebody. Nobody's done me anything wrong. (laughs) I don't see it. I don't pay attention to it. All right? I'm just like, okay, God, you see. And then I leave it out of my mind and I go on. All right? Not perfect in it. We're just working on it. Amen? So Matthew 11, 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have something against anyone right? Forgive them and drop it. Let it go. They are not worth your salvation. You will not be forgiven if you don't forgive others. It's in the Bible. Make it easy on them. Forgive us. Go a step further. You know, if someone's upset with you um, and it doesn't even bother you, but you just know that when they see you, they keep running around and walking and ducking. I've had someone to duck through an aisle when they saw me coming. I was up at Ulta and I'm just like shouting. I was like, oh, that person looks familiar. And I'm looking and the woman went like this. So guess what I did? I said, hey, 
I made it really hard for them to do that because I don't want them in a mess because I knew that I perceived. I got a little gift there, and I said, I'm, I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to say hi because I didn't do anything wrong, and I don't hold anything against them. Make it easy for people. Right? Scripture teaches us that if when we bring our gift to God, if we know that someone has something against us, right? You may have nothing against a person. And some of us, sometimes we just kind of enjoy people just being angsty around us. Don't be like that. Make it easy for them to come to you and to say, hey, just go say hey to them. Okay? Point number eight, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. James 1.13 says, let no one say that when he's tempted, that God is tempting you. For God is incapable of tempting you to do what is evil, for he himself tempts no one. God is not going to bring evil to you. His plans are good towards you. When you're tempted, it's because you want to do wrong. And when you do it, it's because you choose to do it. Remember what I said? We're thankful that God given us a choice. So don't say that God's tempted you. He says the reverse. He said, out of every temptation, I'll make a way of escape. Out of every so, you know, like these young kids, we caught them vaping. We caught them vaping. But it's, you know, but here's the thing. And if they're under peer pressure, okay, if they're under the peer pressure, there's always a door. Man, I don't want none of that. And let me run out of here. That's how it works. Out of every temptation, the temptation to commit adultery. Adultery doesn't start in a bedroom. It starts with conversations. If somebody's calling you and, you know, it's like husbands, if, if a woman is calling you and they're calling to talk to you and not your wife, Keep a check on that. Women, is the same way. You know, if, if I'm counseling a male, my door is open. You know, people are seeing in there. But his wife's coming in there too. And if he doesn't have a wife, somebody, Cameron. You know, we keep things real. We keep it accountable. You see what I'm saying? Just, we, we want to stay there. God delivers us from all that is evil. Okay, so Jesus, he's in John 17, 15. I love this verse. It's in the Amplified. Jesus is praying to the Father. He said, Father, I don't ask that you'll take us out of this world. What will happen to the world if all the light left? People will live in sin and they'll never know. They'll never know. See, Moses was the kind of intercessor where he said, God, and listen, I'm asking the Lord about this. I was like, Lord, I don't know if I could pray that because I want to go to heaven. You know, but Moses said, if you don't deliver them, wipe my name out of your book. You know what Noah did? He said, okay, we'll build an ark and we'll all get in it. True story, it's in the Bible. He built the ark and he went into the ark. Who was the intercessor there, Moses? He wants to do that. Jesus said, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world. I just want you to keep them from the evil one. That's what Jesus, so Jesus will save us from temptation, all right? And point nine on here. So he's praying for us. He's pleading for us. He has pled for us. He desires that we remain pure and holy. It is possible, beloved, to live a life of holiness, a life that is set apart for our Father. Jesus paved the way for us to be able to do this. Um, prayer, this is on the end of point eight. Prayer can help us to be led in wisdom. And wisdom gives us the ability to refrain from evil. Proverbs 133. You know, every day you should read a proverb that correlates with a date. You'll have wisdom for life. For life, you'll have wisdom. And find a version that you understand. Read it in several versions. Every day. Just it's real simple. That's an easy way to start getting into the word. Proverbs 133 in the Amplify says, But whoso hearkens to me wisdom. Wisdom was with God in the very beginning. It was Christ. Beautiful. 
scripture in Proverbs refers in the book of wisdom, in the books of wisdoms in the Bible, you know, like Song of Solomon's, um, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Those are the wisdom books in the Bible. It's talking about wisdom like it was a woman, but it's Jesus that we're referring to. Wisdom was with God in the very beginning before all things were made. And Jesus said, if you seek me and hearken to me, listen to me, you will dwell in security and in confident trust and shall be quiet. That means at peace, right? Without fear or dread of evil. So what if a sickness is coming and it's killing everyone else? What do I have to be afraid of? If I leave this mortal body, my treasure is where? It's in heaven where moth, it doesn't corrupt it. We are incorruptible beings. Face your worst fear, face it with God and move on, carry on, all right? Your, your, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. So everything starts with the kingdom and it ends with his kingdom. I stated as we read the scriptures earlier on in this message of God's kingdom and his government, there will be no end. The perfect plan of God for all of us is to be under his sovereign care. Father knows best. He does. It is his will to reconcile us to the place where Adam failed and left off. We get to choose to go back walking with him in that pristine, wonderful garden that he created for us to govern. But it requires us to submit to God's will and his plans for our lives, okay? We, if we are looking to seek our own desires, we will end up in trouble. God, I know that this feels good. You know, I know I want to eat all eight pieces of those fried chicken. I do. I'm hungry. I, I want to do something, God, but if it's not his plan for you, you'll suffer. I will suffer. And it's hard. And sometimes we want to choose what's bad. But let me tell you, the better choice is that I want to live forever. I don't want to face hell here. I don't. I just don't. Right? We're, we're praying God's kingdom come into our lives here. God wants the righteous ones to inherit their best life here. Not in heaven. Heaven's coming to earth, y'all. He's bringing heaven back here because he made us to rule and reign here. Our best lives should be lived out here. There's no way that we should live in broke, busted, and disgusted. Don't live like that. You are not poor people. Stop living poor. Get rid of your, your poverty mentality. Stop it. As long as you see yourselves poor, you're going to be poor. You're always going to be looking for a handout instead of a hand up in life. All right? Stop it. Your, your provision is heaven's. If you lose your job, if you lose all of your money, your, your source is not in that income that you're getting. It's in God. Stop the fear. Talking to people. Come on, I'm talking to myself. It's okay. God's got us, y'all. All right? So we want his, his, for yours, God, is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So we want everything. We want to be submitted to this model of prayer that Christ taught us in the Gospels right? There will always remain so many things that you and I have need of because we're humans. It's okay. Babies have them when they're, when they're hungry, they cry. And we shove a bottle in their mouth and we feed them and they're okay for a little bit. And an hour later, they need something else. It's a model for how we should be with God. Every 24 hours in a, in a day, 168 hours in a week, we will always need father. And it's okay. Think about that picture of me pulling on his dress. That's where he wants us, and he's okay with it. He says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? That's his heart for us. 
um, praying with a mindset that God is our father will make me see myself as a child that he deeply loves, cares about, and who is dependent upon him and not myself. Giving honor to his name reminds us of who he is. It places the attention on him and his grandness, his majesty versus our human frailties and limitations. You and I are limited, but God is limitless. Praying like this causes us to yearn for his perfect plans. This model of prayer, it teaches us that everything that we have has its beginning in God, the Father. And we are mindful always that his mercy triumphs over any judgment that comes to us. He desires to give us mercy. And we must show his love to others, okay? So that's a big part as we wrap all of this up. And the last part, what was the last four? It's four letters that Jesus said at the end of the prayer. Amen. Be careful of what you give your amens to, okay? A lot of times in church, and we talked about this before, um, a lot of times in church, you know, teachers and pastors and say, well, you're, everybody's going to hell and the devil's going to eat your lunch and he's going to take your snack and kick you in your, and you're like, Amen. Amen means so be it, I agree. Be careful for what you give your agreements to. Agree with the word of God that speaks life into your situation. Okay, the doctor facts may say that, hey, I've got the COVID virus. God's truth says that by his stripes, I am healed, right? That these will come to you, but it's not gonna kill you. Your immunity will be built up. Your immunity will be built up, it's okay. God's made you to be strong. So as I close, moving forward. So praying like this can become an effective tool of prayer that equips us to rightfully approach the Father and ask for what he has already made available to us. Okay? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Father, as it already is in heaven, so let it be established in my life. So it's not that I pray all these words. It's me getting my mindset, my perspective on something that will never go away and will never fail. So we must recognize moving forward that God is the only one deserving of all of our praise. Fill your hearts with words about God's character and who he is and let that become your prayer. Know the promises spoken through the word about your life and learn to pray the scriptures over your situations. You know, I've got a small group that was going on for women, um, call it Women of Warfare. And one of the things that we were not allowed to do, because I didn't want it to just be, hey, that we come in here and talk about our problems. I'm like, you got a problem here? Go to the scripture and search out what the scripture says. Use Google, use Safari, use whatever. Find out what the scripture says about your things and go talk to God about it. Because I'm not your God. Pastor Mitch is not. Pastor Joshua is not. But we're not. But we can come into agreement once you know that. So when you come up here, I'll say, hey, what do you need me to agree with on your prayer? Because I'm testing you. I'm seeing what are you believing God for? Because we can put teeth to that and have faith in God, right? And forgive others freely and liberally, okay? You have been forgiven of so much. I have been forgiven of so much, of everything. Forgive others in the same way. And know that temptations will come, but in every temptation, God will Be with you. He'll see you through them and he'll provide a way of escape for you. Remember that God is God and his plans will always be accomplished in this world. But it's up to us whether or not we get to rule alongside him.